No more talk of donuts. Forget that UGH. It's clear with five letters only. It's better you won't be lonely. Well, hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And I'm Nate Baranowski. So last episode on our Knives Out episode, let me just say, our day one downloads for that Knives Out, one of the highest ever. Mm. I just want to say thank you, listeners. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Knives Out. But as I was listening back, I realized we never really stated where and why we were talking about the massage you got in Mexico. We kind of talked about it and say we just talked about it, but then never pointed people to where they can hear it. What a weird way to start hearing a podcast when they refer to a massage (laughs) story from somewhere else. And never tell you where it is. You know what, Stephen? I think that was bad podcasting we did there. It probably was. I also tagged director Ryan Johnson and actor Chris Evans in that episode. Which always works. Maybe they're listening to this one first instead of the last one. So let's say... If you want to listen to Nate's Mexican massage experience and the conversation Nate and I just had about the spelling of donut, whether it's doffnut or donut, and we talk about time, friendship, and talking on the phone and a bunch of things, you should go to our Patreon because we have bonus episodes every week. And if you donate any amount to our Patreon, you can hear all those bonus episodes, all the back catalog too patreon.com slash movies on the side that's where you go to listen to the mexican massage story this week was surprisingly deep and thoughtful it was very deep they range nate sometimes they are frivolous and joyous and humorous and sometimes it's it's very deep i thought today's uh, it was a good one the deep things of life deep things of life you know what's not deep (laughs) this week's movie talk about whiplash from last week's knives out to this week These movies are, dare I say, different in quality. (laughs) So we watched two really good movies in a row. We did Hunger Games, and then we did Knives Out. And then you said, you know, we're doing too many good movies. We got to get back to some bad ones. We got to get back to our bread and butter, the bad movies. And that's exactly what we did this week. But now, you know, this was a listener recommendation. Before we get into anything, first of all, thank you for all the recommendations coming recently. Top five and movie recommendations. But this one has been requested several times. And I I just want to say, Trent and Tori, we love you guys. You're the best. Our feelings about this movie is no reflection of our feelings towards you. Just want to state that at the outset. Wait, are they big fans? Are Trent and Tori big fans of this movie? Well, unclear. I alluded to the fact that we were doing the movie and kind of said, man, it's rough. And I think Trent said something like, oh, you know, it might be kind of a good plot. And I was like... Ah, I sucked a lot of air through my teeth and, and just, just kind of went out of the way. But anyway, we love you guys. You're the best. But this movie, Abduction, the 2011 movie starring Taylor Lautner. Nate, do you know what this Rotten Tomato score is? No, I don't. But I'm going to guess it's going to be less than 25%. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This movie got 5% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Five percent. Wow. This might be one of the lowest scores. It did get 42% audience satisfaction, but 
Trent might have voted about 20 times. It's unclear where that audience came from. I'm very excited to talk about abduction. Okay, so Taylor Lautner, the main actor of this movie, he was one of the stars in Twilight. I have not seen any Twilight movie, so I have no frame of reference. I have seen all of them, so we have a good balance between you and I. (laughs) Yes, that's a good balance. So I have no idea of his acting chops in that movie. Can I give you background? Yes. For you and for the listeners who don't know about Taylor Lautner. Please do. Can I just give you a little something something? Yes. He was in Twilight. He started off in the first movie. I don't have his IMDb in front of me, but I think somewhere around maybe 2006, 2007 was the first Twilight. He comes in as kind of a scrawny kid. They got him like right like prepubescent Taylor Laudner in that first movie. Mm-hmm. He then grows, and in, I think, the second Twilight movie, maybe even the third, he becomes a phenomenon, mm. partly because the guy takes his shirt off in Twilight, mm-hmm. and there is a time, I'm guessing the time between maybe 2009 and 2011, Yeah, he was like the Backstreet Boys of different people's uh. folder covers. and stickers and posters they'd have on a wall okay so twilight came out in 2008 okay taylor lautner was born in 1992 so he was 16 years old for twilight yes that makes him 19 in this movie abduction so he he beefs up Uh uh-huh and for the this later twilight movie i'm are you still with me I'm with you, yeah. We are catching, I believe that Abduction catches Taylor Lautner. This is, they had to rush the production of this movie in order to squeeze in the last two movies of Twilight. Mm, So this is trying to capture Lautner in a bottle. And I I don't think I can quite, I'm not getting across to you, like, if he was a shooting star, many people would have wished upon that star for a <laughs> for a for about three years you understand i got that's a nice picture yes i get it i understand so what yeah i get it i i don't have any other things to say at this point except while you were telling me about the percentage i was looking up taylor lautner's dating history (laughs) to see who he was with around this time because not only did his star shine bright Uh for these this four-year period or so the girlfriends that he dated were also bright stars who i would dare say have gone on to have brighter longer lasting orbits selena gomez okay from April to July 2009. Uh, Taylor Swift mm. from August 2009 to December 2009. We watched Valentine's Day. I believe they were dating Wow! Uh, at the time of that movie. Mm. Lily Collins, the co-star of Abduction. They right. met they... on the set and started dating. Okay. Ashley Benson, I don't know who they are. Hey, are they still dating? Uh, no, no. They dated for like <laughs> maybe a year. <laughs> Ashley Benson, Micah Monroe, Marie Avgaropoulos, Raina Lawson, and Billy Lord, famously the daughter of Carrie Fisher. Oh, wow. As of 2016. So they're still dating that one, supposedly. No, I, I don't think so. Oh, okay. wait, wait, wait. Started dating her in 2016. You know, you come to Mott's for your celebrity goss, <laughs> and I'm just happy to let you know that 
we are terrible at no it says 2016 to 2017 it lists these relationships as if they are lives like on a tombstone somewhere says taylor lautner and billy Catherine lord 2016 to 2017 so in the imdb it has his biography and i just want to read the last two sentences of this biography because i feel like it was written probably shortly after the movie abduction and then never changed oh it says Taylor Lautner has quickly become one of the most famous, talented, and successful young Hollywood actors thanks to the blockbuster success of the Twilight films. It has quickly been established by this young man's diverse and gifted talent that he will continue to be, that we will continue to be his audience for many years to come. (laughs) I've never been more sad in my whole life. He hasn't done anything in the last three years. I just want to stipulate. Oh, that poor guy. Okay, okay. So Taylor, he's probably fine. He's he's still got the royalties because we just he has burst onto the scene and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. You'll be hearing about this leading man mm. for forty years. He's probably doing well. I hope he's doing well in life. I'm this sure is not a Taylor Lautner fine. dunk fest. No, no, no. I'm sure he's doing fine. Uh, listen, if you haven't seen this movie yet, don't bother. But, no, 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 no. You should, because it's on Amazon okay. Prime. And I want to let everyone know. Nate, it's on Amazon. It's on Hulu. I think it's on three other Is services. It on Netflix? I think it's on Voodoo. It's on Ultraviolet. <laughs> you can pick it up in your mailbox. Netflix is just throwing the old DVDs on, in everybody's mailbox. You can watch this anywhere. You can watch it on the bottom of your shoe. You can watch it on the dashboard of any car made after 2012. You know those little screens at the gas station while you're pumping? They're showing <laughs> exactly it on right. that. If you kick the bottom of every red box... Uh, abduction will fall out of the slot. <laughs> That's right. So you watch they it used anyway. to have those sticky hands and those gashapon machines. They all just now split out abduction copies. What did you say? The what machines? The gashapon? Is that the name of them? Oh, you done, you done caught me right in the middle of me throwing out something I wasn't sure about. Oh, man. I never heard that phrase. To the internet. Gashapon are a variety of vending machine dispensed capsule toys popular in Japan. Nate! You actually said the thing. Nailed it. It is a gashapon machine. You done screeched us to a halt. Hold on a second. Let me get back where we are. Anyway. Anyway. Abductions everywhere to stream. And what I want, you were going to say this. You were going to say don't bother watching it. Right. Here's another take. Okay. You could bother and you could watch it. Uh Uh-huh. We don't know in 2020 how much time we're all going to be spending indoors these days. Easy. So, you're going to have time to stream some movies. Nate, there are so many movies to stream before this. But what if what if your favorite podcast reviewed it? That's true. You could, Yeah, you could do it for that. Would you stream the 1998 Godzilla starring Matthew Broderick or Abduction again? I would see Abduction again. Why do you hate that Godzilla movie so much? It's yes, terrible. absolutely. Okay, we actually have to talk about this movie. The last thing I want to say is a setup. I had actually seen the last 12 minutes of this movie. At the cardio cinema. Literally at the cardio cinema. Yes! And, and I only realized it in my watching this time when I got to that scene. But I saw this movie from baseball game scenes when Karen, the female character, puts like the ticket under the statue. I saw from that moment through the end of the movie. So you knew how this ended. Karen. <laughs> we'll get to that. Has there, been a Karen, has there been anyone named Karen born after 1990? Well, isn't there that meme about the Karen from the, well, yeah. but it'd be an older Karen. But anyway, Karen. after seeing the ending, I was genuinely curious to watch the entire movie. 
Because those last 12 minutes, I was like, oh, this might not be horrible. I don't understand what this movie is. Man, let me tell you, <laughs> seeing the whole movie. We're going through this movie bit by bit because I watched it at 1030 by myself, giving it almost my full attention and took a bunch of notes. So this is how abduction the movie starts. bam bam Rock music. Stencil impact eroded font. bam Car blazing down the street. bam bam Taylor Lautner laying on a windshield. Yes, of a car going 70 miles an hour. Bad boys. Five. Tween edition. Yeah. This movie is not like the beginning of this movie. This movie is a young adult version of the original Mission Impossible. I want you to stay with me for a second. Think (laughs) about it. The original Mission Impossible was about the knock list. Yes. And the knock list was a list of secret agents and their covert identities that was trying to be stolen. Yes. By several parties. Yes. Tom Cruise didn't know who to trust. Tom Cruise didn't know who his parents were. Alfred Molina plays John Voight. Yes, exactly right. This movie. I'm with you. Emilio Estevez, instead of dying in a <laughs> elevator, they actually just took one of his friends out of the movie entirely. He died off screen, I'm guessing. <laughs> yes, exactly. And now I'm going to have to look up the Mission Impossible characters because we're going to find their proxies in this movie before the episode is over. There was probably a Karen in there because the Mission Impossible movie was from whatever, 1993. Yes, Karen was the, the Claire character from the original Mission oh, Impossible. Yeah. No, but Claire was bad. In the Mission Impossible, wasn't she? I know, it's just a proxy. Listen. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Jean Reno, who played Krieger, Mm -hmm. who was kind of the, you know, untrustworthy guy in Mission Impossible, his character is the uh, henchman from the train fight. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's what that is. Uh, Ving Rhames is... (laughs) The same, is young Ving Rhames. (laughs) Young young Ving Rhames. Who makes fake IDs. Making the fake IDs. That's exactly the Ving Rhames character. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave who plays Max in the original Mission Impossible, uh, who, you know, Tom Cruise... Uh, is Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver. Yes, Max is Sigourney Weaver in this movie. Nate, there's a one-to-one correlation to every character. This, this movie, young adult remake. is like young Indiana Jones. It's just young Mission Impossible. This is what I'm saying, Nate. I think it's a solid theory, and you can send donations to patreon.com slash movies on the side. <laughs> I'm going to move to... I, I have notes here, and I want to move to yes. them. We see at the beginning, this movie sets up a non-Mission Impossible-like beginning because right. it wants to clearly show this is a movie for young, free teens. Yes. I don't know how to put it any more uncool like, than what I just did. It's like, you know what teens are like? Right. They go to house parties slash pool parties. So that house party, when the car rolls up to that lawn... And Taylor Lautner rolls off the car. I know it's supposed to look cool, I think. So weird. And the whole, the whole party scene is just strange. Let's talk about house parties for a second. Steven, have you ever been to a house party where a parent was not home and there were a bunch of people there? I'll be honest, I've never been to a house party, period. So I don't know how they go. So I mean, I, I believe the house party. That's totally fine. You believe they exist. Because you've seen them in movies. That's, I've seen enough in movies, yes. My conspiracy corner is that house parties of this size only exist in LA uh, and in no other parts of this. 
I I know they exist in colleges. I know they exist at at fraternities and sororities. Oh, I see. I don't believe they exist because a parent left the home and a teenager is there. Is like take bring all your friends and everyone's got uh, solo cups. I don't think this is a teenage thing. No, but we have to move quickly. The one part I want to say about this party: there is a moment when Karen, the main girl character, walks into the frame, and there is like a record scratch and a stare between Taylor Lautner and Karen played by Lily Collins. <laughs> it is so pheromone filled and like hormone injected. Like that until May I just yeah. say best chemistry they had all movie. Best chemistry they had all movie was right there. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Okay, and I also texted you at this point, what town are we in? Because then all of a sudden, right. young Ving, Rames, what's that guy, what's the character's name? Now you've just made me think Mission Impossible characters. Denzel Whitaker is the actor's name. Is that Forrest Whitaker's son? I think. What's the character name? I know that Taylor Lautner's character's name is Nathan because they say Nathan 500 times in this movie. Nathan. They really do. Nathan, listen, Nathan. Gilly is Denzel Whitaker's character. Gilly. Okay. Gilly comes up and says, I got opening, home opening VIP tickets to the Pirates. And I said, what? Hold up. This is in Pittsburgh? Mm. And then I thought to myself, he's saying that it's their first home game. This is going to happen in early April or maybe late March in Pittsburgh. You are not having a pool party anytime. Mm before may in pittsburgh so i'm just saying there are some plot holes in this movie it's a, a deep plot hole to pull my comment is no one in this movie has a last name no nah. you can scroll through that imdb the names are nathan karen burton played by alfred molina mara gilly no one has last names well, I think Nathan goes by two different last names during this. Oh, yes. Because uh, we find out that he was, oh, turns out, never abducted. But his parents aren't his parents. All right. Carry on. Can we talk? Do we talk about that right now? Like There yes. was never an abduction. Never an abduction. An abduction never happened in this movie. And that is the title of this movie. No one was abducted. No one was abducted. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no one. <laughs> there was no abduction ever to happen in this movie. Came close, the train scene. Sort of. I guess maybe almost. Yes. But no, there was no abduction. Not okay. abducted. What we find out later is that, I'm not even going to give a spoiler. You've already seen this on the gas station TVs. You've probably already seen this movie. <laughs> his, his dad, who likes to fight with him out by the pool. Oh, my word. And his yeah. mom, they're not his parents. They are secret agents. They're CIA yeah. agents. Yeah. Kind of mourns every once in a while and says they did a lot for him. And then other times kind of forgets that they were gunned down 30 minutes earlier. I want to talk about interactions real quick. Yeah. So first of all, Nathan and Karen, after that one pheromone-filled moment where they stare at each other and don't say yes. a word. And she's dating Billy, who is, plays the Biff in this role. In this movie. <laughs> right. One of the next scenes we see Karen in is when her and Billy are arguing down the driveway and then Taylor Lautner and her like catch eyes across the street. And he says the line, wait, hold on a second. I don't need this. You're in high school, Karen. I can have any girl I want in college. <laughs> what a jerk. There's so, but that, but there's so much terrible dialogue and lines like. Oh man, it's bad. It's so awkward. And so like that whole scene is just ridiculous and unbelievable. Now the parents, so Nathan's, well, adoptive parents or whatever you want to call them, the CIA agents, which right. their character names are Mara and Kevin. The first scene with 
Nathan and his dad like sparring out by the pool. It really looked like they were setting it up to be like almost an abusive father-son relationship. Right. Right. He is beating him to a pulp, almost like literally kicking him in the stomach and throwing him to the ground, like choking him. I was like, this is weird. You know, later, Nathan reasons like, oh, he was preparing me for this day. And I'm like, man. He's also played by uh, Isaacs. Uh, he's a bad Jason guy. Jason Isaacs. Here. Jason Isaacs, who's, I believe, very British and a bad guy in Harry <laughs> Potter. He was also in The Patriot as a bad guy. Yeah, all that. he definitely plays bad guys a lot. So right. I was already pre-exposed uh, to him and thought, okay, well, this is like a, yeah. a bad dude. And that being the opening scene, and then we cut to them having dinner, and they're all laughing around the table, and it seems like the mom and dad have this amazing relationship. And right. Nathan, like they all have this loving, great, healthy relationship. I was like, this doesn't make any sense from that pool scene to them having dinner. Like, I don't believe this is the same family. That's when I thought that they abducted him when he was a kid. I was like, I get it. That's why it's called a title. They kidnapped him. They abducted him. And that's why he's like a lost kid. Nope. Right. No. <laughs> that must have been in a script, but not the final yeah. script. Okay. Cut two. He's all disgruntled and angsty as a teenager more rock music he rides a motorcycle he has glasses they everyone needs to show by minute 13 he's a real cool dude he does high school wrestling in basketball shorts and a tank top something that is never done in wrestling you wear a, a really weird looking leotard and like pads on your right. ears so you don't get cauliflower right and somehow the, he's like wearing cool stuff right plot hole number two and they show him in a counseling session with, I had no idea she was in this movie, Sigourney Weaver. I don't know how. And why. Either how much money or how they convinced her Sigourney Weaver to be in this movie. Let me just say, every line that she reads, she sounds like a robot. And I feel like it must have been because she knew the script was terrible and she was just reading lines. Call me Jerry. For saying that she was phoning it in makes it feel like I don't think she knew what was happening during the rest of the movie. It sounded so like, listen, we just want you to be in here to say a few things. Like she maybe like was friends with the director. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll do this for you. I'll be in this movie, this little tiny movie of yours. She gives no personality. She gives no personality. I, I, it was a paycheck. We then get to Nathan doing a project with Karen because yes. they got put together on a school project, which that teacher in that scene, I don't know, is the weirdest. Is a friend of the director. I thought he was gonna be a. I thought he was gonna be a bad guy. I thought he was gonna be a bad guy too. I was like, too. "Why are we seeing you? You're obviously maybe you're a stunt guy." I thought, "Okay, you don't seem to be. You're kind of weird. You're not really part of the plot. You must end up being like a secret agent, like a a bad guy. Like you'll come back into this later." His only purpose is to assign a group project where Karen and Nathan work together to further the plot. If I was going to trim this movie down to 90 minutes, Baranowski Robles 2020 platform, yep. I would definitely cut that scene. Absolutely. It was pointless. But anyway, they work together. So they do the school project, a school project on missing persons, I guess. And there's it's this a sociology assignment. Right, sociology class. And it's weird because he talks about how you can look at, <laughs> Nathan is like looking on his laptop and he says something like, you can see these missing persons like likes and dislikes and what they enjoy and like he kind of like laughs about it the food they like so very strange they have height weight age favorite foods we never get any of that do we no we only see him discovering this picture that kind of looks like him when he was a kid 
uh-huh. and there's this weird like aging process that you can do. Let me just say, all these shots of websites and missing person sites uh-huh. does not look like the internet in 2011. Maybe early 2000s. Well, what about the phones so in this movie, Stephen? Fl- <sighs> I thought of you every time someone used a flip phone. Now, there is a later flip phone, which his secret agent dad supposedly left in an apartment for years. I mean, that makes sense. That one makes sense, but I don't... All the technology is weird. Like, where were we in in when this was filmed in 2011? Yeah, where were we in the iPhone world? We had the iPhone five, I believe, or maybe even five S. So, like, pretty modern times. Like, everyone would have had an iPhone or Android phone, and like, you don't see any of that. Hmm. It's strange. And everyone's still using the weird Bluetooth headsets. That wasn't around back then. <laughs> those <laughs> those ended in 2007, I think. 2008. Uh, I don't know. I may have used them a little bit later. Nobody's perfect. Oops. Anyway. So the bad guys come to the house? Is that where we're at almost? Yes, but I just have to say, when he's looking at that missing person's website, it somehow hits a server that the Russians are tracking. No, no, no. We find out later, the whole thing is all a sting operation to find him. Like, they said they put out these false missing people websites. Like, they set these up. Just like how you right. buy up a bunch of domains randomly, the Russians Wait, are buying a bunch of, of domains. That is offensive. Yeah. It is not random. <laughs> Every domain has a purpose. Just saying. And they're all to catch, uh, they're all to obtain a knock list, is what you're saying. That's exactly right. All these missing person websites. And then when they catch him, they turn on the webcam of Nathan's computer and then like take a picture of him. Yes. And text it to other random Russian dude who's like the boss. The Russian great scare guy. of 2011. I, the, all of that was just like, blah. This is kind of throughout this movie. People are so conveniently hacking and following everything without... This is not a smart man's thriller. I, I, it says thriller in the description of this movie. There is nothing thrilling or suspenseful in this movie. <laughs> but it is the, both the CIA and this Russian organization are following a chase around in such a convenient like don't think about it way right that's just like yeah they'll be in the car behind them soon because we need a car chase it's all quite dumb and but no one really cares if it makes sense or not so like the fact that people are listening in on every call and there's like four different uh parties all listening in at once doing stuff it's like yeah i tried to start paying attention to it at the beginning and i gave up halfway through because okay i get it uh, everyone's tracking everyone I also just want to mention one scene when Taylor Lautner is looking at the aged picture of himself on an iPad. Uh-huh. He like slowly tilts the iPad so his reflection is shown on the screen. Yes. And I could just hear the director saying like, tilt the iPad, tilt the iPad, yeah, yeah, yeah right there. And I was like, oh. We're putting that in the on. trailer. <laughs> right, exactly. For Lautner fever. So the bad guys come. They come to yes. the house, knock on the door. The mom uh, is unable to resist them getting in the house. It's conveniently after she tells him, you're not my son. Or no. Right, because he you asks You are my son, I'm not your mother. But she hasn't right. yet told the dad. Right, and the dad is welding in the garage. Sure. Something noisy. He's doing something noisy. Fight ensues. She is shot with a tranquilizer, maybe? They say she's dead later, but I'm like... No, I think they shot a- her with like a, a silenced weapon, I think. Is that what it is? Okay, yeah. uh, all right. So she uh, passes. How, how did you feel about these action sequences? Let me just ask. <laughs> I liked her fighting the guys, but for the most part... Her fighting was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, it was all a letdown. All the other action was cringeworthy. It's just not good. Taylor Lautner ends up fighting a guy... Right. After his dad's been shot. Right. Yes. He comes back in and he fights 
and Karen is there and Karen hands him like a fire stoker or something. And I thought, is he just right. going to run right. this guy through? No, no, right. not. Th- this is not that movie. This is just a movie where he hits him more with the metal stick. Right, right. And then he yells in some great acting. Guy says something to the effect of, there's a bomb in the oven. <laughs> Which, can I just, when he says what? that line, when he says that line, I was like, surely this is a terrible ploy to distract Taylor Lautner. And he can't possibly fall for something this silly. Yeah, like he's going to go to the uh, oven. There'll be nothing there and the guy will have escaped. Right. Or the guy will have now have a gun in the other room where you left him. Right. But no, There's they go truly- to the oven. <laughs> There's literally a bomb in the oven. A bomb. First of all. Why? How? how this, and this is one of many, many plot holes. How in the world did that bomb get in the oven? Like it had not been a long time since that whole fight started. And those men weren't in the house before. Like they came in through the front door. When did they put a bomb in the oven and set a timer? I think it's in the time when they brought Karen back to the house after they had killed the the Mara and Kevin. After they killed them and they <laughs> bring Karen back. I think while one was interrogating her or bringing her back, the other may have been doing, you know, some housework, planted <sighs> the bomb. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. In okay. the oven. Right. There's a bomb in the oven is it? <laughs> Is like kind of announcing you're pregnant, but like right, but it's a different way. So they jump out of the house with a kind of a great CG explosion, right? And Sigourney Weaver picks them up in a car and is helping them escape. And a crazy chase scene ensues, and Sigourney Weaver is shouting all these instructions at him and what to do and where to go and all that. This is supposed to be really fun and really like. All right, in 20 seconds, you got to jump. And I'm about to like, you have to go to this place and trust only these two people. And he's like, what? I don't. And it's supposed to be like, this is the beginning of a thrilling thing. Right. It is such a flat moment and such a a sleepwalk version of someone about to head on a run. Yes. On the run, on the lamb. Right. That it was laughable. The line that really got me is we enter Alfred Molina's character as the CIA person. And he's tracking them everywhere. And they, or they get a shot of Sigourney Weaver's face. And someone's like, say, Burton, you'll never guess who we got a picture of. And Alfred Molina looks at the screen and she says, You can kiss your pension goodbye, Jerry. Instead <laughs> of what? Doesn't what? Make sense. What kind of line sense. is that? Anyway, Nathan and Karen, they, they tumble out of the car, they run down, get in the water. They need to go through the river so their tracks are not uh, followed. And they fall asleep in a, in a young adult romantic scene. Okay, okay. Yes, 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 yes. I know young adult movies. I know them well. And I know, like, all right, we got to find a way for these two to have kind of PG-level romantic scenes but all while keeping the stakes up. Mm-hmm. So I am just giddy for how are you going to make a guy who just watched his parents get shot and also like has no idea if everything is like terrible. How are you going to make it be like great and romantic? I, at first I thought, are they going to make out covered in river filth in this forest? Mm. Thankfully, no, but they do wake up in each other's arms as if they spent a wonderful night cuddling that and not in a muddy sewer rat smell. Right. Which 
when they do eventually kiss, my very first thought is, has anyone brushed their teeth in the last 25 hours? <laughs> All I could think of was bad breath the whole time. Also, after they wake up from that forest floor, <laughs> my comment is they are incredibly clean and made up. She has like a, a makeup refresh. Right. She right. wakes up like with, with a gentle strand of hair on the forehead. Like, right. ah, I'm all refreshed. Yeah. And they are super clean. And also, she says this line. You don't cry in your sleep? <laughs> she touches his face gently. What? So weird. And just to continue, I think we should just hit romance corner right here. Okay. So later on in this movie, just to finish off the romance part of this, because this is the only other scene where it's like yeah. applicable. They do end up getting on a an am part of this Amtrak commercial. They get on a train, have like an overnight because they're heading to who cares where? No, Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Sure. And she says, "When we came back to school that year, how come you never asked me out?" I just thought summer was summer. Are we gonna die, Nathan? <laughs> Cue the kiss scene. Now, I will give this movie one, absolutely one positive. Uh-huh. The movie that is built around the time of Taylor Lautner's life, where everyone, regardless of age, wants to see Taylor Lautner without a shirt, had the restraint to make it so he only took off his outer garment and he still had a t-shirt on. Well, well done. Everyone wanted to see Taylor Lautner man meat. But he he had a scene with no shirt at the beginning after that yeah, house so they, party. Yeah, they already got that. They already knocked out his, yeah. from some of his contractual obligation. I will say, as they start making out, at one point, Karen's like, We should get some food. <laughs> and the scene ends. Right. Said, uh, okay, I, I guess. <laughs> anyway. Romance corner. Their relationship is ridiculous. And like you said, I, I didn't find a moment of chemistry between them. That's my romance corner. I think... They're two beautiful people that when they are just like not talking and just holding each other or looking deep into each other's eyes is I think some of their best because you go like, oh, I get it. I see how you two would be attracted to each other. I get this. And then they talk to each other and there's just nothing. And I think that's just a bad script. Maybe a little bit of Taylor Lautner still learning some of his acting chops. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, it never really comes together. I would say that throughout the movie, as they're supposed to be getting closer and the movie gives a shorthand for them being closer, such as holding hands while walking into the fray and her helping with his, which is all shorthand for like, we're now on a team and we now like are in it, ride or die. Mm -hmm. As that all happens, it it falls apart for me. Okay, I'm going to run down some lightning round questions I have, and these are all basically plot holes, but Perfect. I'm going to ask them as questions. Yes. When they finally get to that apartment that Sigourney Weaver gives them the key to, uh-huh. they're seen walking up with groceries up to the apartment. Uh-huh. I'd like to know where they got the money to buy those groceries, and if bought with a credit card, they would have been tracked immediately. Right. That's number one. That's a good call. When they have to travel somewhere after that, they try to hitchhike, and it seems like immediately... A truck pulls over and they get in and arrive safely wherever they're trying to go. That was strange. Mm-hmm. I don't. They probably said, oh, look, it's Taylor Lautner. We know him from Twilight. <laughs> right. They find his mom's tombstone at a cemetery uh-huh. and they try to get information about the flowers that were left there. And they talk to the cemetery worker who is about 15 years old. Right. And Karen like basically schmoozes 
the guy. You have to have him be young. Otherwise, having this maybe 17, maybe 18-year-old girl schmoozing would not screen as well. Right. So that was strange. I think it would be enough for him to say, yes, it came from Omaha, Nebraska. And then she asked, like, what's the address? I was like, I don't know if I would give out that. Right. Even to someone being like, yeah, we just want to know. Yeah. Like, I gave you a name and a town. If you don't know them, you don't need to know them. Right. Exactly. So he's not the the, uh, sharpest tool in the shed. There's also a scene when they're leaving that apartment that his dad had, and they go to the garage to get the car. And there's this very dramatic fluorescent lights turn on yes. like do, in a do, row. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and it's like it's like the scenes in 007 when Q reveals the Aston Martin. Yes, good, 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 good. I'm glad you found this because I wrote down the quote, BMW, but not that cool of a car. No, not at all. <laughs> like, it's like, it looked like, it's like just like a new, probably it was just like a 2011 new BMW sedan. Right, but not even like crazy cool BMW. It's not an Aston Martin. No, it looked like a pre-owned BMW, like one that's like three or four years old. I said that car got the hero treatment so much. Yeah. They had shots of it, like with on the, with yes. its plates. Like, look at that front grill, the mm. back of it. It had shots of it from above, from a camera. Yeah, and they looked at each other when the lights came on. Like, look what we found. It was foolish. Just a car. All right, jump. I want to jump to some of the questions on the train. So they get on the train. The Russian guy is just standing on the platform staring at them. No one questions that guy or thinks he's suspicious, I guess. He sort of reminds me of the Raiders of the Lost Ark guy who gets the medallion burned into his. He's like that level of, uh, of mini boss. Okay. Should not be that strong of a guy. Should not that be that great of a fighter. But I digress. Yeah, he looks like a professional. Anyway, this is the only kind of mini abduction that happens where he, he gets Karen and brings her to another room and like asks her what room Nathan is in. Oh, yeah. Gets yeah, the yeah. cigar cutter and threatens to cut off a finger a la Mission Impossible 2, Nate. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Okay. It's all coming together. But I just, I wrote down in my notes in all caps, she told the guy what room Nathan was in. She gave him up. Yeah. I understand she's not a professional secret agent. She didn't want to lose a finger. You would have liked it if she had lost a couple fingers. Oh, I'm not saying I want her to lose a finger, but I'm like, man. She just kind of gave him up there. Uh, Maybe that uh, summer fling is a deep hurt for her. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess if if someone's getting ready to, has the gun at your forehead and also ready to chop off a finger. Yeah. You're telling me you like hold strong for a while? You let him take a finger or two? I mean, if they're saying, where's Nate Baranowski? I'm just saying, I don't blame her for saying the room number. No, I'd not say, no, I understand. Yeah, maybe I'll cut all that out. (laughs) Anyway, after the fight scene, I also think it's hilarious that the camera pans to the pair of glasses on the floor. This is after Taylor Lautner literally throws the guy out the window of the train. Okay, is the guy dead? I mean... Because later, he is being like wheeled away, kind of strapped to a gurney. But I didn't know if he was dead or like bad off. I mean, he's passed out. Well, I mean, Taylor Lautner knocks him out. And then, again, I, I don't know if he's strong enough to lift a man and throw him out of a window. That seems a little... Just deadlift that guy out the window, right? Right. And it, it's almost like he does it right when Karen comes into the room. I thought that we were going to have a scene of her being like, oh, maybe he's kind of a monster. She got looks on approvingly like, oh, good. I'm glad you threw him out. I thought she was going to like slowly close the door 
and her leave. Like, I thought she was going to, like, step out of the room, close the door, and run away from Taylor Lautner. Yeah. I mean, what was the purpose of her escaping her, like, she that whole scene again, part of me cutting this down to 90 minutes, I would probably do, like, the her escaping scene. Because she, it's not like she comes in to help. She just comes in to watch him right. at the very end, throwing this guy out the window. Yeah, it was it was strange. Anyway, after he throws the guy out the window, the camera pans to the floor where we see the guy's glasses. Taylor Lautner steps on the glasses to crush them as like there's some final blow. Why do you got to crush the glasses? Like, yeah. No, I'm pretty sure you owned this guy pretty good. You already threw him out the moving. <laughs> right. Which, good on Amtrak for stopping the train. That is true. If a guy flies out the window. You never see that in movies with someone getting kicked off a train. That's true. And then they always just go to where they need to go. I'm glad the Amtrak right. had their wits about them. While Taylor Laudner is fighting this guy, yeah. they put in sounds of his of Kevin, his foster dad, yes. during training, yes. saying, think, think, Nathan, think it through, which, I mean, not super helpful because all he does is just, no. what, kick him more? Like there was nothing, yeah. there's nothing super witty that he did after getting the, you know, ghost dad motivation words. Right. I, that was a missed opportunity because though, like when that happens in a movie, in a good movie, <clears throat> it's like the figure giving specific instructions. Like, like think about how you retaliate. Think about, right. you know, using the person's strength against him. Understand your footing. Yeah. Remember your footing. Like, like don't lose your balance. Like get the upper hand, take the high ground, like actual instructions. That would have actually also alluded to the fact that Nathan had a relationship with his dad where they said more words than more than just a, more than the one scene where they fought each other. Right. So, yeah, that was it was strange. Like it was supposed to be motivating, but it was mon- monotonous. Well, it was also supposed to, again, all of the symbolism behind the beginning of the movie was that like this guy's a, Nathan's a cool dude. And he says over and over again, like, I just I have this rage. And I want to really lash out. And his dad's telling him, like, control your anger, all of this stuff. We never see him lose his cool. He's not. Right. He has kind of a baby face. So I never look at him (laughs) and be like, oh, you have a really deep down rage that you have to control. It's just a lot of saying what he's supposed to be as a character, but not showing me. I never saw him lose control. I just saw him be like a pretty normal dude who gets angry like everyone else. Right. He's a pretty calm teenager for as teenagers go. Right. So they run out of the train and I have this note. They walk down like a busy street. Like they know they're still being chased and yet they still just stay out in the open down a busy street. And that's like a CIA SUV like screeches to a halt. They get out. And this is where Alfred Molina finally catches up with them. We go to a diner scene where Alfred Molina is talking to Nathan and Karen. Alfred Molina is like trying to explain some of about Nathan's real dad and everything that's going on. And at some point, Albert Molina says, am I right or am I right? <laughs> wow. That's, that's a deep line. Poor Alfred Molina. I don't know how they convinced him to be in this movie either. I mean, he's doc, Dr. Octavius. He was kind of doing the Sigourney Weaver thing throughout this movie too. Yeah, he was. It was a little strange. Uh, I feel like when Taylor Lautner, when Nathan said to him, like, it's because your name's on this list. I thought, hold up. How did you come to that conclusion? Right. So let's jump to the final climax scenes at the baseball game. Sure. So Nathan says he will meet the boss Russian guy who, let me just say, I don't know if wooden character is the best description, but this bad guy, I don't know. He wasn't threatening or quippy or anything. He was kind of blah. Yeah. He wasn't anything. That's correct. 
So they meet him. The only slick move that I saw was, because they didn't know what this guy looked like, Taylor Lautner calls him on the phone and says, the ticket is under the statue. And as the guy gets the ticket, Karen takes pictures of it and sends it to Taylor Lautner so he knows what he looks like. That was the only slick move in this whole movie. Yeah, that was nice. That was all right. The taped gun under the seat was fine, except most um, stadium seating, the uh, the seats flips actually up. flip up. <laughs> well, and also, how did that gun get there? Uh, they put it there earlier. Who? He got to his, he was at a seat earlier. Taylor Lautner got there before he did. Oh, uh, okay. Well, that also doesn't how did he Wait, how did he get the gun inside the stadium and pass This it? is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, how do you even just get it in there? That doesn't make any sense. Did Gilly do it for him? I thought about that too, but I'm like, he didn't go to the games. Gilly also gave them fake IDs later on in this movie, somewhere in this movie, which yep. do not come into play, except maybe they bought an Amtrak ticket with him. It was the Amtrak ticket. I don't ticket. know why you need your ID. Why do you need an ID for it? You you really don't, because I've ridden Amtrak many <laughs> times, and you can do it in the app, and they just scan your phone. doesn't matter yeah. what name is on it. But anyway, also the bad guy gets popcorn before sitting down with Taylor Lautner. I thought there was going to be a gun in the popcorn thing. <laughs> Why did he take the time to get popcorn before this critical meeting between him and Nathan to get this list? He was trying to look inconspicuous, I guess. I don't know. I mean, this all just, both the train scene and this ballpark scene are supposed to be suspenseful. But the the actual shooting of it, and I don't exactly know, like, maybe all the issues behind creating this movie, there was no suspense in any of these scenes like even like no. as they're walking down the opposite sides of their right <laughs> row at the staring stadium. each other down it's supposed to be like this standoff yeah and then they just kind of get next to each other and sit down just sort of goofily yeah it was goofy yeah you compare that to like the michael shannon scene from knives out where no weapon oh, was used man. but it was still like scary Absolutely. and suspenseful that's right taylor lautner's biological actual father calls him he calls him twice. The first conversation, Nathan's like, I don't need to listen to you. You haven't been in my life the last 15 years or whatever, which seems like that wouldn't actually be the real reaction. I mean, if your biological father called you who you had been wanting answers from this whole movie, you might, I don't know, act a little differently. But anyway, he ignores him on that phone call. Second phone call, he's like, lead, whatever his name is, Pavlov, lead, <laughs> pa lead Pavlov out the southern exit because I'm here, son. Because I've just arrived. If this was a good movie, the father would be Harrison Ford. But it's not Harrison Ford. It's someone else. We don't even see his face. Get him outside. Get him outside the thing and I'll take care of him, son. No, Gerard Butler would have been the dad. Especially <laughs> if this movie was made now. And so Pavlov gets taken out by a sniper shot. From the dad. Okay, so the dad calls him a final time. Mm -hmm. The dad is standing on the side mm -hmm. of the street. Can't reveal himself, apparently. Right, can't reveal himself. And then Nathan says... Dad, and the father figure says, I'm your father, but I'll never be your dad. What a terrible thing to say to your son. Yep. <laughs> your yep. first real conversation. Yep. Terrible, terrible thing yeah, to say. Yeah, I've been taking care of you behind the scenes. I've been watching out for you. I can't right now, son. Until the angels win the pennant, we can never be a family. <laughs> I cry every time at that movie when they all stand up in the stadium. Oh. I, cry, I cry every time. We should. We need to do that movie, Angels in the Outfield. That's what we need to do. I love Angels in the Outfield, yes. Oh, so do I. That'd be a good one to watch. Anyway, it's ridiculous that he can't actually see his son, especially since apparently the entire world, including all of Russia, knows who Nathan is, knows that he's Martin's son. They know Martin because Pavlov, or whatever his name is, has this long-standing feud with Martin 
what information would be given up? Nothing. If Martin like goes Nothing. over and talks to his son. Nothing. Like this is a ridiculous thing to still stay apart. And he also said again, as part of the sloppy filmmaking or the sloppy plot of this movie, he says in one sentence, I'll make sure they don't bother you anymore. Like I'll make sure the agency <laughs> right. don't bother you. I was like, I'm pretty sure you saw your foster mom and dad get murdered who were agents i'm pretty sure you need to be debriefed right if nothing more than to be like hey how did these agents lose their lives and like what do you know and did they ever tell you any state secrets right uh and like there may be more people other than this russian coming after you instead it's like yeah you're free to go go hang out in that empty stadium right (laughs) right where there was snipers all around moments ago sigourney weaver says which I've never heard an offer that sounds more sad to basically be like, oh, well, I'll be your new, I'll be your new guardian. And well, she basically says you can live with me. Yeah. You can come live with me. And he's like, yes, cool. I mean, you've been my, a counselor to me. You've been a therapist, but sure. I'll go live with you. But then he goes like, but right now I'm not really willing to come home with you just yet. Right. I got a few, like, it's like someone offering like, listen, I'll be your new parent figure. And you're like, cool 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 i'll be back around what's curfew now again midnight i'll be back then and it's so weird because after it all ends and sigourney weaver first walks up to nathan she's like you okay yeah i'm fine you really gonna flip into counselor mode right now i bet you didn't think that i was still alive even though no one found a body and my car exploded and it was pretty obvious that i was alive the whole time Sorry I didn't come to actually help you and made your dad use the sniper rifle. But you want to come stay for a little bit? Oh, by the way, it's between you and me. Did you splinter your tibia on that fall from the roof? Because Mm. you've been... uh, It made a crunch sound when you landed. So... Right. You got a shattered leg? Mm. Oh, no? Okay. No, just hang out. You don't need medical attention. Right. (laughs) Just hang out and say this line. You have to admit, pretty exciting first date yeah my the people i thought my parents got murdered so that was fun and uh remember when you got tied up and a guy almost chopped your finger off yeah pretty fun first date this will be great rom-com final song ending out the movie oh i guess we were in a romantic comedy this whole time does it i didn't even pay attention i think i turned it off i don't, it was some sort of like light-hearted rock song <sighs> i think it's it's about time hey steven yes this movie's really bad this movie's very bad i actually thought 12 minutes in i I could deal with this movie i can deal with this it gets bad i think it was rushed this movie was rushed it was rushed the script i mean if the script can make sigourney weaver sound robotic and terrible surely that was a problem we also know lily collins who plays karen can act she has done things since then and she has done great things as far as her acting chops okay but some of her lines which maybe also have a little bit of that what is that adr oh yeah there was a lot of that kind of sound to it i have to blame the script because yeah it sounded unnatural yes are we gonna die nathan nathan (laughs) nathan hey hey nathan why didn't you why didn't you ask me out when we were in eighth grade nathan this is important nathan answer me now nathan her IMDb has some, I haven't seen many of these things that she's been in, but she looks like uh, she plays a lot of characters here. Right. A wide variety. I've seen of, her in uh, quite a few things. Oh, yeah. 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 She's good. 
All right, we, we got to rate this movie, Nate. Okay. On a scale of zero to five Milky Way bars. Now, I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember the scene. I, I don't. In the train, when after they've stopped making out and she says, I'm going to get us food, which don't let her get food alone. I'm hungry now. I'm hungry. Mid makeout. I'm hungry now. Nathan, don't leave her to get food alone after you've been chased this entire movie. But anyway. Well, yeah. Why did he stay there? I have no idea why. They should have gone together. <laughs> but she goes to the cafeteria. Yeah, he car. had nothing to do. He wasn't doing anything. He was just sitting in the room. She goes to get food. She gets a couple trays. And then she picks up a Milky Way bar. She says, I think he'll like this. And continues on her way. You were probably doing something else at that point. Uh, multitasking, but... Uh, were there also some Coke cans on the There was the a tray? Coke and a Diet Coke. That's correct. One of each. One of each. We see the top five brands from this movie. <laughs> Pirates, <laughs> the baseball team. BMW. Okay. BMW. Amtrak. Right, zero, zero, zero to five Milky, Milky Way. Way bars. Would you want to go first or you want me to go first? I want you to go first. Man, I feel like I need to give this movie... 0.5 Milky Way bars. I have to do 0.5, Nate. One, it's just too much of a point to give this movie. I mean, it's it's really cringeworthy. The action's not even redeeming. Not really fun to watch. I, I just I just can't. Just can't. Wow. I'm giving it a 0.5. Sorry, Trent. <laughs> it's not a good movie. All right, Nate. Give it to me. I'm going to give Abduction. A movie with no abductions. I'm going to give this movie one Milky Way bar. Uh-huh. Mm, 1.5. Seems kind of high for you. <laughs> it does. I'm going to give it a one. I'm going to give it a one. Okay. It kind of, there's a little bit of fun to it in kind of a ridiculous way. There's a little bit. No, there's not, and you know it. No. You're just trying to like, be gracious. No, like, I mean, the mom fighting off the invaders was kind of cool that mom was the best character in the movie let me just say um, i think she did the best yeah in general it was yeah i'm gonna give it a one for abduction yeah i have something to share with you right now okay because i found this on imdb i think i can find this again it's called taglines welcome to tagline corner <laughs> this movie has taglines and i want you to think which of these is the best or if not what is the better tagline? And while I'm saying these, also think, what would you re- rename this movie? Okay. Abduction. What if your entire life was a lie? That's one. <laughs> Next one. Abduction. The fight for the truth will be the fight of his life. Ugh. And then the final one. They stole his life. He's taking it back. That last one doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for the movie. The title doesn't make sense. You got you have a better tagline for it, and you can say it in your movie trailer guy voice. All right, I'm just going for the tagline. <laughs> okay, hold on. Teenager action. <laughs> Teenager action romance. That's the mission. Title of the movie. Mission Teen Possible. Oof. I think if we ever get attention from a Hollywood celebrity, it's going to be Tom Cruise because of that line right there. Please never do this again. He will find you. I I mean, like, it's not abduction. It's more of like, I mean, you call it something like 
I think that's why they had a hard time naming it is because there really is no good name for what is going on in this plot. <laughs> okay, I got it. I got it. Ready? Abduction. There's a bomb in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> that's the tagline. There it is. We found it. It took us a while. Fake mom and fake dad. <laughs> we didn't talk about a top five, but we had a couple suggestions from listeners. I don't know. We, it doesn't have to be a full top five, but in case you didn't know, Nate, it's my birthday recently. Not only do I know this, that your birthday is coming up on your birthday date, yes, which will come out actually before this episode. That's right. You'll be getting a few things in the mail oh goodness so watch out for a few deliveries oh man i'm excited okay someone has recommended a top five birthday theme list now i don't know if i have five of these but maybe you could remember some of your top memorable birthday gifts or birthday experiences i'm so bad at this why are you bad at this i sort of measure my life in seasons of love in daylights and sunsets and midnights and cups of coffee. 525,600 minutes. And it's hard for me to it's hard for me to remember what was Christmas gifts, what were birthday gifts. Really? From whom the bell tolls. <laughs> nice. Well, I have 3 memories that I'm going to share. Can you think of at least 2? Okay, no, I I have a another topic. It's the same sort of topic, but I have a, a slight change. Okay. So you do yours, and then I'll tell you mine. Okay. So I'll do my birthday things, and then you'll do something else? What I would love to hear is what an ideal birthday celebration would be for you in oh, a perfect man. world, like the perfect birthday celebration. Okay. In your mid-30s. Okay. It would involve sleeping in, in silence, meaning the kids would have had to have a sleepover somewhere else. <laughs> so I would, I would sleep in, I uh, would get up, I would like to go out for a late breakfast somewhere with my wife, a quaint place, maybe a two-location type morning. You go to a breakfast place, then you go to a fancy coffee place. It would kind of be like a brunch thing. Mm -hmm. And in the afternoon... I don't know what to do in the middle there, but then I would like to go to a nice... You can take a, you can take a reprieve. You can... A siesta? You don't have to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Watch abduction. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Then I would like to have a nice dinner with friends, mm -hmm. namely you and my two other friends. Mm -hmm. All of us. That's right. Have a nice dinner. Early dinner because the featured portion of the evening would be going to a musical or some stage live performance, some show, mm. all together. Mm. And we do that in the evening. And then after that, mm -hmm. we get Discussion. dessert, Discuss. like ice cream somewhere, and we talk and we laugh until one or two in the morning, and then we go home. Magic. That would be a nice birthday. Yes. When did, when did you open your gifts during this day? All your gifts? Well, during dinner with friends. Oh, okay. Because you know, it would be, you know, that, that kind of thing. Right. And it would tell be a Chuck E. Cheese. Your, Just kidding. Tell me about some of your best birthday gifts. Okay, so three gifts slash experiences. This was in a stage of life where I still loved Legos and all things Legos. I still love Legos, but I was actively 
building them and getting them as gifts. Yes. My parents did a treasure hunt style birthday gift where I had like 12 clues to follow around the house Mm. where one clue would lead to the next clue. And the final clue led to a very large Lego Aquanaut set. I don't know if you were familiar with that style of Lego. No. It was my favorite at the time. I'll I'll try and find an image of it, but it was the Aquanaut's base. It was like a $100 Lego. I mean, this was like legit. And so that was a wonderful surprise. Then another birthday, this was my 18th birthday. We had no plan for anything. There wasn't a party going on. We weren't sure what we were going to do. But I remember coming home from something to find my five or six kind of best friends waiting at my house. I had no idea they were there. And we went out on a a night on the town, you know, did dinner and did some fun things. And so that was a lot of fun. That was a fun experience. And probably my number one birthday gift, it was my freshman year of high school. And so March of that year, that was when my parents got me my professional trumpet that I still use to this day. Mm. Up until that point, I had my student trumpet. But now that I was in high school and I was actually doing things with music, they got me a Bach Stradivarius trumpet. And it was a it was a beautiful trumpet. Again, still have it to this day. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, that was probably number one gift. Amazing. So here are the, the gifts that I remember. On my 21st birthday, I went to my sister and my brother-in-law's house. Uh, Rachel and Jordan, thank you for listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Jill. And we went there. And I remember like hanging out in the evening time, watching movies. I was offered my official beer of turning 21. Oh, yeah. uh, I loved it. Uh, we hung out. I think it was also the trip that we may have gotten kicked out of Kmart or messing <laughs> nice. around in the toy aisles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was grand. I remember that fondly. I believe Jill got me a Casio keyboard oh. for a birthday uh once so that was a wonderful gift it was probably um yeah it was one of like a a top-notch gift reception um and then there was another time i think while living in tampa i received as many one dollar scratch off lottery tickets as how old i was so i think maybe i was 25 oh nice or 26 and i got that many because i love scratch off lottery tickets Mm-hmm. And I think we went and did uh, an escape room or two. Oh, nice. So speaking of my ideal when it comes to birthdays, basically hanging out, playing board games, yeah. going to escape rooms mm. with friends and all hanging out together. Like, And if there's blueberry cheesecake involved or any cheesecake, mm. uh, that is a win for me. So, Okay. Mostly time playing board games, playing games. Or doing escape rooms, things like that with friends is ideal. I would like to do an escape room with you. I still have yet to do one. Yeah. Uh, you really, I mean, once, I'd like you to maybe do a couple first just to kind of see if you. What, can I keep mean, up with your skill? Get out of then, here. Yeah, I mean, no, once. Get out of here. I don't want to be around for your first one, but after you've kind of polished the edges of your skills, I'd be happy for you to audition. No, no, wait, and after you audition for it i mean (sighs) nate my problem solving skills what i'm saying is i'd love to do an escape room with you too but i mean we just don't we don't know yet how you're going to be what if you fold under the pressure i assume that i will be in the 99th percentile of escape room 
participants. I just mm-hmm. have a feeling it's going to be mm-hmm. one of my specialties. It's going to be one of my special things. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Everyone's <laughs> confident until their first escape room. Everyone's confident. Mm-hmm. I would love to do one with you. That would be a lot of fun. No, no, I'm thinking about it. Now I probably need to do one first to get ready. Because <laughs> I actually do want to want to press you. Anyway, I sent you a picture of that Lego set I was talking about. The Aquanauts. Lego. I do not have my phone next to me. I'm so sorry. No, never mind. Well, you could enjoy that. Anyway, listeners, thank you for your recommendations. Keep them coming. Movie and top five recommendations. Comment on our Instagram at movies on the side. That's the best way to send us your messages and comments. And check out that patreon.com slash movies on the side. All the bonus episodes there. And tell us, we only have one episode between now and our 100th episode, our centennial episode of Movies mm. on the Side. Mm. So tell us what you would like to hear there. We, Nate and I have thought, thrown around some ideas. I don't know if we want to reveal these. Maybe no, see no, what no, people no. think. No, no, close to the chest. Okay, all right. We reveal nothing. All right, so send in your suggestions. We'd love to hear them. And like we always say, Nate? Enemies are just people you haven't watched bad movies with yet. Mm, that's not bad that's not bad i was gonna say a movie with a friend is time well spent a movie in the hand is worth two <laughs> in the red box where did the third friend go